As Daniel mentioned earlier, my name is Aaron. I serve as one of the pastors here, and I get the opportunity to share with us all today. As we enter into a time of Holy Week, the question pops in my head. And maybe the same question pops in your head as well. What is so good about Good Friday? At first take, it seems like this is all bad situation. I mean, if you think about what Jesus is about to endure for the sake of us, this doesn't seem like a Good Friday. If you think about the, the suffering that he's about to endure, that doesn't seem good and it's weighty, but why? I believe that it's the death that we feel. I believe it's the darkness that we feel. I, I believe that we feel this darkness is because of sin. And, and, and I believe that we feel uh, this sense of death because death is the price for that sin. So, so how do we call it good? How do we have the audacity in our minds or in our brains to form with our lips good to something that was so tragic and horrible? Here's the reality. The reality is this, that, that what was bad for us, that sin and its death penalty is what Jesus bore on our behalf so that dark and this deathly situation can be called good. I don't have much time before you, but in the time that I do have, I want to briefly this out and I want to reintroduce to our hearts Jesus because I really want us to know why in detail we call this Friday good. So the passage I'll be from today is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 24, uh, 2 verse 24, and the scripture reads as follows, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we, you, have been healed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are gracious and you are kind to us. I pray now that as we gather here to worship your name, that um, more than ever, we would glorify you and remember the pain that you took on our behalf. I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be filled with gratitude and our hearts would be filled with joy that we can really walk in this place of Good Friday. God, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. The passage says he, and so I want to ask this question, who is he? He is Christ. He himself, again, it points to this individual, this person. It is the person of Christ. We may know him, and we've heard of his name, and we, we know of his work, but briefly, let me read in Colossians chapter 1 with a little bit of uh, explanation of how and who Christ is. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, it says that he is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of all creation. It, it, it's saying that he is God, and, and, and even with our limited earthly capacity, he is the icon. 
He is the icon and, and, and he is prominent over all things, over all creation. He is not, he, he is God, he's not limited to creation in itself. In verse 16, it says that for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that all things were created through him and for him. He is the God who creates for his own purposes and through his own power and influence. Verse, the next uh, one theologian said that everything exists to display his glory and ultimately he will be glorified in his creation. Verse 17 says this, that he is before all things and in all things and, and in him all things hold together. He, he holds all things together. This phrase in itself should bring us some type of encouragement. God has not forgot us. Right? He, he daily keeps things in balance in the universe. He, he is aware and he's an active God. In verse 18, it says that he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Nothing is before him. And we serve disservice to his name when we allow things to be before him. He is preeminent. Verse 19 says, for in all of the fullness of God, he was pleased to dwell. That, that, the, the, the fullness of God means this, and I don't want to be deeply theological, but it means that Jesus was 100% God and that there is no question about that. And he was the, the perfect vessel. It says that it was pleased that the fullness of God dwelt in him. No blemish. Verse 20, it says, and through him reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is the living, breathing, and acting representation of reconciliation in all things. So we ask the question again, why is Good Friday good? And I have one answer, and I don't mean it to be the Sunday school answer, but the reason why Good Friday is good is because of who Christ is. The next part of our passage says that he bore our sins. And in the sense of someone having to bear the sins of another individual, that, 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 that somebody else should have done it, that namely being us, but Jesus took it upon himself to bear our sins. Uh, literally, that means he, he carried up. It made me think about this story. Uh, when I was younger, I would get in trouble because I was very mischievous. Uh, and I still wrestle with that now on some days. And if whoever I disobeyed at the moment or irritated, I knew I was in big trouble if they told me to, to go get the belt or the extension cord or the switch, it was a long walk back, <laughs> holding in my hand the weapon, I mean instrument that would be used to discipline me. It was a long walk back knowing that I was about to get disciplined for my actions, things done for myself. 
but we take this into consideration of what Jesus might have had to think about. He carried up our sins to the cross. He bore our sins. He, he carried up our sins to a cross. Think for just a moment how weighty that might be. Think for a moment how long that walk must have been with Jesus carrying our sins. How weighty, how sorrowful, how dark. But for our sake, Scripture teaches us that God made him to be sin, the one who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God. That was for a purpose. That was for an outcome. And the outcome was for us to be able to die to sin. Now, Pastor Aaron, what does that mean? To, it means that in, because of Jesus' uh, death and his, and his suffering and his, his work on the cross, he, he in, his, in his resurrected body, right? Like sin no longer has authority over us. It means that, that, that we don't have to allow sin to control who we are. And then, therefore, the outcome is that we live to righteousness. Somewhere in Romans, Paul talks about how we should be slaves to righteousness. That, that, that my body and my life now is only given over to the things of Christ. And, 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 and we have this new identity. and We are no longer the same creation. This work is not to be taken in vain. The long walk that Jesus took bearing our sin, carrying up our sin to the cross should not be taken in vain. The, the work of Christ on the cross is, is not a work to be made in vain by our ignorance, our forgetfulness, or by us succumbing to our desires not to die to sin and grieving righteousness. We shouldn't take his work in vain. And then we move on to the next part, and it says that by his wounds, we are healed. Now, we've heard this passage before. It comes out of Psalm 53. And it's not that Christ can't heal, but that the healing does not necessarily mean a physical ailment. So in the context of Psalm 53, the ailment that is caused is caused by our sin. And, and that ailment can only be healed by Christ. His wounds heals our sinful spiritual infirmity. The physical wounds of Christ heal us of our spiritual sickness. His pain brings us spiritual pleasure. His inward ailments brings us outward prosperity and righteousness. Good Friday is called this day, but the only reason why this Friday is good is, is because of this. It's because that God, in his magnificent grace, mercy, love, and goodness, felt compelled to demonstrate in love to us in the midst of our sin. In, in, in the middle of our sin, and while we were covered with our sin, God felt compelled to demonstrate to us his love that Christ would die. He would go to a cross bearing our sin. He would be crucified so that we might be able to live freely. And it doesn't stop there. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit 
in us so not only that we might live freely, but that we live freely in righteousness and be able to overcome the power of sin. Isn't that good to know? Isn't it, isn't it a good feeling to know that, that, that we are accepted? Isn't it a good feeling that we have approval? Over the course of my life as an athlete, as a, as a black man, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, and as a friend, and maybe even some of the roles like you, I've struggled in various ways with approval and acceptance. I always wanted to know, am I enough? I've always had it in my head, am I too much? Am I accepted? And when we think about these things, like I'm asking this question and, I, and, and then I go on to prove with my accolades or maybe even my successes or maybe even my connections to people. All in the back of my head, hoping that this gets me accepted. We all do this in certain ways, and I know that I'm not alone in this, but isn't it good to know that Jesus, right, on our behalf, not only made us good enough, but, but because of his work on the cross in his death and in his resurrection, we are approved, right? And we are accepted, and that he gives us this power through the Holy Spirit that, that we can beat sin even in our weaknesses. As we contemplate on why Good Friday is good, let us not forget the pain that took place on his behalf for our healing and our prosperity and righteousness. Good Friday is good only because of the love of the Father, the work of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are kind. And we thank you for your love and we, we thank you for what you did, the work and the pain that you took on our behalf. God, I thank you that through your work and the, uh, the righteousness that's been applied to us as a followers that we are accepted. That God looks at us like he's looking at you. And he said those words like, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I hear those words echoed to us. This is my beloved son and this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.